This is a download from Ormskirk Christadelphians of one of our Sunday afternoon talks. For more downloads, go to our website, ormskirkchristadelphians.org.uk or join us in person at our meeting room on Moorgate in Ormskirk every Sunday at 1.45pm. We hope you enjoy the talk. Good afternoon, everyone. I fear it may be a challenge to keep you awake this afternoon on a, a nice warm afternoon and a, and a hard-working weekend that you've had, but I, I shall do my best. Of course, the, the subject suits a challenging uh, circumstance because the, the world in which we live, the, the world in which Jerusalem still exists, is a challenging place. And that doesn't really matter if you apply a, a measure of financial problems or environmental problems or, or political problems. The world is a really challenging place. I wonder, does anybody know how many wars are uh, wage, being waged at the moment in our world? I suppose that's a difficult question because it all depends what you define a war. Let's say a conflict which has killed more than 10,000 people in the last 12 months. How many do you think of those are happening around the world? Oh, well, at least some responses is good. You're all wrong, but I, I, that's, it's a start. There are actually four which are killing that amount of people uh, on a, an annual basis. I'm sure you, you see them and you'll, you'll recognise them from the newspapers and from the televisions. You're quite right, though, there are a lot more than that going on. So if we were to, to limit our definition to a, an event which is killing 1,000 people or more a year, then we'd have to add 15 to those top four and if we were to say well killing a hundred people or more a year then we'd have to have another 37 so nearly 80 sets of conflict which are occurring as we speak here but the world as I said is a challenging place and it doesn't matter who you look to whether it be uh, one of the, the most powerful nations in the world or one of the most influential leaders they don't seem to have the answer as to to how to bring the world under control. Just, just work with me a moment. Think of the political leaders who hit the stage, our media stage, all the time. Can you think of any person, any one person, who might be equipped to deal with the problems that the world faces? There are some obvious um, candidates, of course. Who's that? I am going to make you work this afternoon, by the way. <laughs> Barack Obama, yeah, you, you would imagine that him, uh, the, the, who would probably claim to be the leader of the, the Western world, would be well placed to, to command the respect of people to deal with such problems. Who's that? Putin. Putin, yeah, so uh, another man who is well versed in the world stage. Bet you don't know who that is. Uh, it is the head of China. Well done. I had to look him up this morning. Uh, Mr. Jinping, Xi Jinping. Uh, a man who, well, he leads more people than anyone else in the world. Now, we're really going to test you there. Who, who do you think that might be? He, he is. Well done. He, uh, Mr. Juncker. So, yeah. So, so he leads the European Union. So there are candidates who you might imagine would put themselves forward if the job ever came uh, for, for grabs. If there was ever a, a job advert that went out, world leader required, challenging problems to s resolve, then you might imagine that they, they would stand forward. Of course, it's not just about the person, is it? 
any man or woman who put themselves forward to try and resolve the problems of the world would need to have uh, resources at their at their beck and call and of course Obama would step forward and say ah well I'm the head of the richest country of the world not the biggest um, but not the most populated but certainly the, the richest you imagine that Putin would say ah well well, I'm the, the leader of the largest country of the world 11% of the world is under Putin's control already in terms of, of area I'm sure that Mr. Jinping would say, but I, I have more people under me. Do you know what in five people on the world is at or under Mr. Jinping's control already? 20% of the population live in, in the Republic of China. Of course, those leaders are used to getting their own way. They, they already have countries which are defined under their control. So I'm sure Mr. Junker would argue that, that he was versed and well experienced in, in negotiating, in, in bringing together, at the moment I think it's 28 states within the European Union. And if he did a bit of fancy political footwork, he could claim that actually Europe uh, combined has very slightly more finances than the, the states, but only a few billion uh, in it. But actually, of course, none of those countries none of those people are, are named in the Bible and the Bible does look forward to a time when there will be a world ruler and a world kingdom in which all of the problems will be resolved but, but we have to look to somewhere well at the moment it seems so unobvious uh, a country you can see there, there are Israel statistics compared with those that we've already thought of. And we, we were working at the very top of the list, the most wealthy, the largest country, the biggest population. And then Israel steps into to the, uh, the equation and you can see that actually for their size, the size of Wales, they do very well financially. But they're, well, the 96th largest country in terms of population and land mass, well... Really, Netanyahu doesn't have much experience in dealing in that sort of volume of space. And yet, time and time again, the Bible says that Jerusalem will be the capital of a new world order. It doesn't say Netanyahu will be in control, but it points us time and time again. 667 times in the Old Testament, Jerusalem is talked of. 139 times in the New Testament. Do you know Brussels doesn't figure once? Nor Washington, nor Moscow. The Bible is a very Jerusalem-focused piece of, of, of literature. A message from God about his people and the place that he's been watching. Of course, it doesn't have to be about size and power and scale. Jerusalem is already... Uh, viewed as being a, a most important place by, by many religions uh, in the world uh, th there's a, a satellite image uh, of the centre of Jerusalem there and, and all of those blue dots are, are religious places of religious importance you, you can see Jerusalem is already viewed as, as an important place by UNESCO it's one of 46 uh, sites which is said to be at danger right now I wonder, let's see how good your knowledge of Jerusalem is. 
what, what are we looking at there? I suppose this is also, how good is your eyesight? The Dome of the Rock, absolutely. So within a square mile, there are the centers of the religion for three world religions. Okay, I say center, the, the Dome of the Rock is, is said to be the third holiest site for, for the Muslim um, community. What about this one here? Church of the Holy Spirit. No, why are you with me? Yeah, absolutely right. Yeah, so, so there is the, well, the holiest um, place that the Jewish uh, religion still has because their temple which was on the site of the Dome of Rock is, is no longer and so they congregate here as close as they can get now you're quite right I, I was thinking of uh, the, Dome, uh, the Church of the Holy Sepulchre for the third said to be one of the holiest sites for Christianity do you know where it is though? left a bit around here? Yeah. absolutely it is and there it is so, so Jerusalem is at the centre of the minds of religious people from all persuasions and all areas of the world. And indeed, when you look to the Bible, it, it focuses our attention exactly there. So I want very briefly to, to review uh, the, the history of Jerusalem and to look towards its future uh, as a, a way to, to focus our thoughts on that place today. Those are some of the, the messages which relate to Jerusalem. There are a lot of quotations in this presentation. I, I'm imagining you may put it up on the web at some point, so a lot of these would be for people to search out. But, but I've highlighted the, the bits you can see here. Isaiah is pointing people to Jerusalem time and time again as a, a place where they should be focused. In terms of its history then, now here's a question. When, where is the first occasion that... And be, be careful, listen to the question. Jerusalem is mentioned in the Bible. If you picked up a concordance and looked for Jerusalem, where would you find the first reference? Now you see. I had to look this up this morning. Uh, Joshua chapter 10 is the first uh, reference to Jerusalem. We, we meet there King Adonai Zedek, uh, who Joshua deals with. And yet, actually, if Joshua is dealing here in 1300 BC or thereabouts, can you remember when the first mention of Jerusalem as a, as a place uh, exists? And not by name, but by a, a name which we can reference to that place in the world. Abraham, absolutely. You're on my, my wavelength, Andrew. Yeah. So when we look in, in the Old Testament for references toward Jerusalem, we find that very early... Uh, in the scriptures, Genesis 14, the place is already starting to emerge as a place of importance. So Abraham met a king who we're told at the time was from Salem. And in the Psalms, we find that Salem is the same place as Zion. And elsewhere, we find that Zion is Jerusalem. So, so early in the, the description of the history uh, of the world which God has created, we find the place beginning to emerge. Uh, again, Isaiah, uh, sorry, um, Isaac, Abram's son, was, was, um, he was taken to Moriah by his father as a, a test for his father. And we find that Jerusalem is the same place which Abram climbed uh, to, to, uh, to be tested in, in terms of what he was willing to do for God. So Jerusalem is there 2,000 years before the Lord Jesus, 4,000 years uh, from where we stand now. 
course, another key set of events was um, the, the start of a, a nation of Israel. So we find it in the Kings, in the books of Samuel, that Jerusalem is um, again figuring and becomes the capital for the, the nation of Israel. And both David and Abram are, are important in the history of Jerusalem because, of course, they were men of promise. Not that they were so good at making promises, but they received promises which still point to the role which Jerusalem has in the world's future. So Abram was told this, that you'll be a great nation, that you will receive a land from me, that, that all nations in the world will be blessed. We have to be careful when we review Jerusalem, don't we? It can come across as a very uh, Israel-Jewish-based place. The Bible is inclusive, and from very early on, everybody is told they have an interest in what happens in Jerusalem. And if the promises were received originally by Abraham, well, so they were uh, repeated and they were enlarged to King David. So King David, who was the first king uh, to sit upon the throne in Jerusalem itself, was told again that, that he could look forward to that place being a place uh, where his family would dwell. It would be a place where his throne would be established forever. Uh, and again, you see it repeats. This was not a, a one-off promise. It was a consistent message which God delivered. Of course, in the time of David's son, Solomon, Israel saw the, the, the greatest time in its history to date. Solomon was a fantastic king. You get a glimpse, perhaps, of the power of Jerusalem in the kingdom because we're told that everybody went there. All the kings of the earth went to see David's son as he sat on the throne in Jerusalem. Uh, we're told that Solomon made Jerusalem to be, well, an incredibly wealthy place. Silver was like stones. But, but there was a, a challenge for David's son. It was conditional. If, if he is steadfast to observe my commandments, then the throne will be established forever. And of course, history tells us that Solomon was not to be the, 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 the best of kings. In his old age he got distracted and God took the throne from him. And you, you might be tempted at that point to think, oh well, it, it's over then. God promised something but man didn't deliver his side of the bargain. So God reneged on, on the part that he'd said Jerusalem would play in, in the future of the world. Not so, of course. You, you know, don't you, that time and time again... After Solomon's fall, the Old Testament prophets continued to point people's focus to Jerusalem. So 600 years before the Lord Jesus uh, arrived in Jerusalem, Isaiah was told again to look toward the throne of David, toward a kingdom that would be there forever and ever. Je Jeremiah, 100 years later, the same message repeats consistently. I will raise to David a branch of righteousness. A king shall reign and prosper. And so consistently throughout the pages of the Bible, throughout the years of the history of the world, God has told us to look to Jerusalem for a king who will rule forever. No surprise then that when Jesus arrived, when Luke picks up the record, he says, 
here he is the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David and his kingdom there will, will be no end and so the promise was delivered to a start to, to a part by the arrival of the son of God and so it is then that the New Testament picks up well, all that the Old Testament had primed it to do the promises were already in place what was being waited for was well the son of God who would begin to bring the promises to, to fruition and so he did of course Jesus is not here now he, he waits in heaven to return so, so what do we know then of the kingdom which he will establish I've given you a very whistle top tour of the history what about the future well of course again there are a plethora of passages which give us a, a glimpse of what the kingdom will be like I'll take you through them very quickly I'm sure you know them the kingdom will have a ruler the Lord Jesus Christ in Jerusalem the government well that will be us saints you, you may think of saints as people who are appointed by the church or people with halos in old pictures no no the bible is clear that, that the, the, those who choose to serve Jesus in this life will be given a task of service in his kingdom that there is a, a role to be done as in any government now that there are jobs to be done tasks to be performed the law, well, the Bible tells us that it will be a, a divine law that will be taught to all nations. So we, we have the picture of all nations of the world being summoned to Jerusalem and instructed in a worldwide law which will be defined and delivered by the Lord Jesus himself. In terms of relationships, well, how many wars did we get to? Eighty. The picture that we're given is of a world which will no longer be at war. It will be a time of peace. Nations won't have to invest the billions of pounds in military equipment. And that will be inclusive as well. So whereas some of the areas of the world now are plagued by war, Syria, uh, Iraq, those places are also mentioned as places which will be involved in this kingdom. I, I say again, it's an inclusive kingdom not a, an exclusive all people will have to do with this kingdom in terms of food anybody know how many people die of lack of food uh, a day in this in the world today so i know we won't given the amount i've just seen all of you eat uh, 21000 people haven't got enough foods to live they, they, 21,000 people 11,500 of those are children they say that there are 85,000 people who simply haven't got enough food to live a healthy life the Bible paints an entirely different picture food will be abundant and it will be available people will live longer and people will live longer and enjoy living longer you don't get the picture of people in old people's homes uh, just being getting lonely and more stiff uh, and feeling poorly the, the picture that's painted is of old people being vibrant and healthy and lively the language will be universal I don't know if you've thought about this we have a universal language what's it called? 
Esperanto. Do you know, I don't think I know anybody who speaks Esperanto. I used to, but I, no, not anymore. And yet the Bible talks about communication being worldwide, that we'll all talk the same talk, if you will. And it will be a, an eternal kingdom, a kingdom that, that will last forever, not limited by the length of a, a good leader or, or peace that has been brokered because that, that eternal life will be phased, we, we have a picture of two times, a, a period of a thousand years when people will have a, a chance yet to be introduced to the Lord the, the king in Jerusalem, those who were alive when he arrived but then at the end of that thousand year cycle well, we don't have a great picture of it, we don't know that much detail but we know that the king will be in control and the world will be an entirely different place. Of course, these are fantastic claims. You think back to where I started. Men like Obama, they are the creme de la creme, you could say. The best the world can offer. To get that job, that man has put his entire life, focused it upon getting that top job. Is it really possible that any one person, any one nation, could deliver that sort of result? Because fortunately for us, we don't just get told in, in the Bible where things are headed. We're given a reason to believe it. And that also is centered, isn't it, around Israel. So, so we're told that, that Israel were and are a witness so if you don't believe this, if you don't believe it's possible that a king could reign from Jerusalem, well, God says, look at, look at Israel then. Just, just take a moment to consider them. God told them way back in Isaiah's time, you are my witnesses. And what were they witnessing? That there was a God. That God did exist. He did keep his promises. And of course, if you review Israel's history, you realize that they are, they are very special people. They've witnessed the, to the fact that there is a God for thousands of years. Of course, since the Lord Jesus died, most of that witness has not occurred from the city of Jerusalem. They, they were rejected, weren't they? In AD 135, Jerusalem was leveled by the Romans. And all sorts of people then presided over that place. That, that's why it's such an interest for so many different groups of people, nationalities and religions. For all of this time, 1800 years, they weren't witnessing from Jerusalem that there was a God in heaven. And yet we know that in, in 1948, that, that's exactly what happened. The, the fact that a people could survive for 1800 years was also something which God foretold. So way back when Moses was addressing the, the children of Israel before they entered the land for the first time, God predicted that if they wouldn't uh, play by his rules, if they wouldn't ob obey his, his requests, that they would be left few in number and scattered. They would be restless. Their life would hang in doubt. And you can only imagine what that man had to live with and the threats which he, he lived with in his life. Uh, and yet, as I said, 1948... Israel was reborn. They're only 67 years old now. And they are a demonstration that God is. That he keeps his promises. 
And if God promised to deliver Jerusalem back to Israel as a capital, well then the logic is that he's quite capable of doing everything else he's promised, including delivering his son to be king from Jerusalem. This is the the promises that were made, that, that they would come back, that they would be a witness, that they would be returned to their land, and, and so they have been. Of course, ever since they had returned to their land, they, they have been making the headlines. So uh, that's just a collection. I, I'm not a Time magazine subscriber, I, I must admit. But, but you know how often that Israel has grabbed the headlines. W- where are they now? Well, of course, that they're still in a pickle, aren't they? You might say. If you, you look to their, their future, their immediate future, this is a picture of the Arab League, all of whom have, have signed up to wiping Israel back off the world map. There they are, right in the centre of all of these nations who, who have agreed that they don't want them there. And, and yet, the Bible has foreseen that too. They, they will be laid siege uh, against. Nations will gather around it. There, there is a war coming in Israel. Although Netanyahu now claims peace, claims to, to be able to manage the peace, that, that is by no means certain. The, the, the most recent uh, discussions in the paper are, are whether Israel is funding ISIL or whether Israel will end up having to fight ISIL. Every time ISIL leave a place they've captured, I understand they leave uh, a sign at the the city boundary which says, onwards to Jerusalem. Uh, Jerusalem has always been at the centre of world interest from from so many different perspectives. uh, And the Bible says that it would continue to be. It also tells us that when the nations gather against Jerusalem, then God will come to their aid he will fight for them the Lord will go forth and fight against those nations in that day his feet will stand on the Mount of Olives and there is the beginning of the announcement of a king who will reign in Jerusalem who will resolve the the world's problems and though he might come at a time of conflict Well, we're told that that he will gather and bind together and that, as I said, this will be an inclusive kingdom. Of course, the the challenge for us is to watch it. We know the history. We know the promises. And yet the Bible challenges us to watch and to wait and to be ready for the king who will come, who will reign from Jerusalem when God will fulfill all that he has promised which surrounds this place thank you we hope you enjoyed that talk for more downloads information about what we believe and details of our meeting times go to our website ormskirkchristadelphians.org.uk